Welcome, welcome, welcome. It, man, it's good to be together, isn't it? And for those of you online joining us, thank you for connecting with us and being with us. It's, it's good to have this kind of technology where we can uh, join together and be together. And uh, we, we are in this together, one big family. Um, we just sang a really old song, uh, Amazing Grace, but man, what a Still, what a powerful song. Now, I know the Bible says, sing to God a new song, and it actually says that like several times. And I think the idea is that God wants us to always be looking for the fresh things that he's up to, and, and we need those new songs too. But man, there's times when it's just good to kind of go back to that, that bedrock uh, that some of us grew up in, right? And um, just to be reminded of that, that amazing, amazing grace. Well, we are uh, in our series, The Epic Life. And for those of you who've been at community a long time, you know we did this series like six years ago or so. But it's one of those things, uh, following COVID and everything that happened, uh, following Easter, like what do we do next? I just felt like we need to go back to these four commitments and talk about them and, and reinstill them in our church family. And in fact, we have a lot of new people since six years ago. Because we've, we've given people to every other state in the country in the last few years. Like, we have people in every state possible now from community. Uh, and some of you are actually still watching online from, you know, Nebraska, wherever you are. So thank you for joining us. But I, I want to say uh, I've been looking forward to, to kind of going through these again. The one thing I did not do is I did not go back to the actual messages six years ago. I just wanted to go, okay, God, these are the commitments. So we, we talk about them enough, but I didn't want to do, you know, go back and just copy the message we did before. Like, it's one of those commitments we have here. We want to make sure we, we give you fresh bread when we come to the Word of God. And so I just wanted to look at this from a standpoint of what, what's God up to now? What's the new song? You know, even with these four commitments that we've been doing for some time now, what's that new and that fresh look at these things? And so uh, if you're following along with us, last week we were looking at the word epic, E-P-I-C, Last week we said every day with Jesus, and so we had some appointments with God throughout the week. You know, like maybe at the same time every day, maybe it had to move for you and your schedule, but we wanted to spend every day with Jesus, not just reading his word, not just praying, but realizing he is with us all day long. Uh, but this week the P stands for practical love, practical love. And I think just coming out of communion, it's, it's a great kind of reminder that we at Community take communion every single week. It's just part of our tradition, part of our heritage. And for us, we feel like it's not a meaningless ritual over time. It literally never loses its significance and meaning because we feel like we need to be reminded that God loves us that much. We need to be reminded of that amazing grace like week after week after week. And so we are reminded of that through communion. But I want us to go back to a passage in, in the book of John where, where Jesus talks about uh, what really matters, you know, like he's, he just breaks it down. Like this is, this is really what you need to get. If you don't get anything else, he said it a number of ways and a number of different times, but here's maybe one of the more famous ones, John 13, 34 and 35. He says, a new command I give you love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another by this. Everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another, that that's how people are going to know that we belong to Jesus. That's how they should know that we belong to Jesus. And I've just been thinking all week, like what would happen in our valley if those who call community their home, and in fact, those who call the church their church all across our valley, who believe in Jesus, who believe in the word of God, what if all of us 
literally, in practical, tangible expressions of God's grace, loved people the way Jesus did. I mean, do you think there would be like this ripple effect moving its way through our valley, changing lives all the way? I, I think so. The more that we take seriously this idea of loving each other and then letting that love then pour out into our community, I think we could see some amazing things. But if you want to break the word love down, if we're talking about practical love, you want to get really practical, another word that would help you understand what we're talking about here is sacrifice. Real practical love is, is being willing to sacrifice. We're going to talk about a number of ways that we can do that uh, this week. But here, here's a couple of things just to kind of get your, 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 your heart into this right from the very beginning. When we talk in terms of love, love has very little to do with getting. Love has everything to do with giving, the giving away of ourself, right? So love, a statement of love would not sound like this. I come in order to get fed, talking about church. Now, we should get fed when we come together because we're opening up the Word of God, we're praying, we're singing, we're having fellowship. Like There should be some things happening for us, but, but love would say, I'm, I'm here to help. I'm, I'm here to feed others. And, and here's what I've discovered, and maybe you have too. The more that we give our life away, the more we find life. I don't know. Somebody said that once. Oh, yeah. Jesus. If you really want to find your life, you got to give your life away, right? So like this practical love, if you could just sum it up in one word, it would be sacrifice. And it's going to show up in all different ways in our life. But the idea is that, you know, when we're really here to help, when we're really here to give, not just to what can I get out of church, but what can I give to make an impact, that's when we really get fed. That's when we really grow. That's when really God gets a hold of our life and our heart. So I want to give you a handful of ways. If we can just use practical terms, like practical love, what does it look like for us, especially with this idea of sacrifice in mind? I want to walk through a few. So here's one. Practical love is generous with time. If you really, really want to get down to it, if you really love someone, you're going to offer them the sacrifice of your time. Time is going to be one of those big things that you're willing to do. Now, time shows up in a lot of different ways. One of the ways it shows up is by listening. I can think of very few gifts that are as personal and as mean as much as just giving someone your time enough to listen what, what they're going through and what's going on. Now, I'm one of those people that's kind of annoying. I just asked my wife. But every time she brings up the subject, you know, it's really important to listen. I, I always say, what? And it's funny every time it, to me. Um, in fact, somebody said it at staff, in our staff meeting today, and I'm like, what? You know, like they were talking about the importance of listening. Yeah, no, listening really is that important. It's that big of a deal. That when we listen to people, we're showing them how much we really care about them. It's, it's a pra practical expression of being generous with our time. We're, we're, we're listening. We're also, uh, if we're going to give them our time, we're, we're going to help. You know, what, what does that look like? I don't know, because it's different for everybody, what they need, but somehow we give them our time. Maybe, maybe our time is, is sitting with them and listening. Maybe our time is helping them fix something that needs to be fixed. They can't do, but maybe I have that skill or that ability. Maybe, maybe whatever it is, I, I, I give them my time by, by helping them in something that they need. Uh, you know, when we give someone our time, the, the idea, the goal is that we're going to encourage them. We're going to support them. We're going to help them. Uh, we're we're going to hang out with them, like all those kind of things. But again, if, if the idea of sacrifice really comes through when it comes to love, I think it shows up big in 1 John three sixteen. Listen to this. This is how we know what love is. 
Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. There's, again, there's a lot of expressions of what that sacrifice could mean, but just think of it in terms of time. One of my really good friends, in fact, we've probably uh, known each other the longest in our lives besides family members. His name is Tim Harlow. He's the pastor of a church in Chicago. And a few years back, we did a series that, uh, that based on a book he wrote called Life on Mission. And he came and spoke one of those weeks. And it's a, it's a phenomenal book. But here's one of my favorite quotes out of that book. Listen to this. I honestly believe that the greatest hindrance to the mission of Jesus is the busyness of his agents. So, so let me follow that up with this question. How hard is it? How difficult is it in our culture of busyness? to give someone our time. Sometimes it's really difficult. But I, I believe we live in a culture that expects us to be busy. And even when we're not busy, it's important for us to look busy. You ever caught yourself doing that? Well, they can't see me just taking a nap. You know, they, they can't see me just resting. You know, like a neighbor drives by and you're like, oh, I got to start pulling weeds. Like, do something. I can't just do nothing. Like, I have to be busy all the time. That, that's kind of like our culture. It's, it's that expectation. But in that expectation, we have put in place a busyness that keeps us from just sitting with someone and listening to them. Practical love, it needs, it needs to start impacting our home life. It needs to start right with the people who we know best and we love best. And then that, that kind of pours out into this home life, this family, this larger family we call the church. But, but the more that we do this, like, like Jesus said, like the people will really know if you love each other. It's like, I just can't even imagine what it would be like if we really love like that. I, I would think that there would be like a line outside of people going, I want some of that. These people are genuine. These people, are, these people care about each other. I need that. And they're like, they know exactly where to come, that they would come to a church. That's what they want. And I think if we see that in our marriages and the way that we talk to each other, we see that in our families, the way we parent, the way we care, the way, the way at times we have to correct as a parent, but it's like the way we do it in love. I think the more we look at those practical ways of love in our own home, the more it's going to impact the bigger family here and eventually the valley that we're a part of. But, but it starts with time. Here's another one. Practical love, number two, is generous with stuff. It's just stuff. Now, yeah, you could talk specifically about money, but I'm not even going to go there. there. There's so many other ways that we can see this happen. Practical love is generous with our stuff. Uh, I'm not sure I fully understood that until I got married. And then I really understood it when we had kids. So the idea is, is real simple. <laughs> I can... I can give without loving, but I can't love without giving. When you love, that practical expression of that is you're going to be willing to just, whatever you've got, whatever that stuff is, you're going to pass that on. Uh, when it comes to our valley, I, I love the fact that over the years, this church has been generous in a lot of different practical ways. In, in a 12-month period, we have given diapers, underwear, socks, food, uh, different clothes. I mean, it's like in, in a calendar year, even during COVID, we were giving all these kind of practical things. 
And in fact, one of the real super practical things that we, we do on a regular basis, you may, you may be new, you may not know this, but, but every month we just collect food for the Valley Food Pantry. The Valley Food Pantry is now located behind Trinity Lutheran Church on Columbia. Um, but we, we have a place in our lobby. You can bring food, and at the first of the month, we take it there, or somebody picks it up and takes it over there. So it's like we, we have that on an ongoing basis. But, but in fact, in May, May 22nd, there's a major food drive that they're doing, and you can literally drop the food off at their location. We'll give you some more information on that as we get closer. But that's one of those ways where we can go, we can go through our pantry. We can find all the stuff that we don't want and the stuff that's out of date and take it down there and get, no, don't do that. We want non-perishable things that will last a while, but like we want to give them some good stuff, right? When you, when you give the stuff, it's a tangible expression, a practical expression of love. Giving is a practical expression of love. Listen to, we already read 1 John 3.16. Listen to John 3.16. You probably know this one. For God so loved the world that he, what's the word? Gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. One of the ministries in town that we uh, really love, and we, we partner with financially, like our church supports them financially, uh, is My City Youth Center. We have a lot of people from community, and, and there's other churches, people from other churches in town as well, but we have a lot of people from community who volunteer on a regular basis, and then also who drop in from time to time as different needs are there. there it's, it's a Great ministry for, for underprivileged and at-risk kids right in the heart of our valley, right? Yes, you can clap for that. Huge props to, to Dan and Becky Harris, who are part of our church, but who lead that ministry, done a great job over the years. Um, I, I got a, a message this week from, from Laura Brock, who helps in from here, but volunteers there. And she says, you know, one of our needs, and I'm all ears, she goes, one of our needs is plastic bags, because they, they just give out food every week. And she goes, we run out of plastic bags. So here's a simple way, a practical way you can demonstrate love. Next week when you come to church, just put a bunch of plastic bags in a plastic bag and just bring it with you. And we'll, if I remember, we'll have something in the lobby for that. If we don't, just throw it in the lobby. It's all right. It's all big pile of plastic bags, right? People are thinking, well, we're going to hurt the seals, but no, we're not. We're just taking the plastic down to my city youth center and we're going to give out some more food that way. Uh, we had somebody who gave us a, a pallet of stuff, a pallet of, um, the hand sanitizer stuff. And we took a whole bunch down there. We took a whole bunch down to the food pantry. We said, we know you guys are giving away stuff. You know you have people in need. Just give it away. And so we've, we've been receiving it, but we've been giving all that stuff away too. It's just a practical way that we can help people. So we're going to be, you know, helping out with food for the food pantry in the next few weeks again. And, and if you got plastic bags, we can use those for My City Youth Center. Just practical ways that we can demonstrate love. we got some stuff. Let's make sure other people can put that to use. And I would just say this too, it's like, keep your eyes open because you never know the, the practical way that you can meet a need and you, maybe your family can meet a need. Like our life groups, we, we, our life groups meet for 12 week periods. And then through that time, they always have like a service project they do together out in the community somewhere. So like their eyes are open to, to ways that they can meet needs and help. But just, just be watching for those things. Yeah, there's things we're going to do as a church. We'll, we'll let you know some options and some opportunities. But it's like, just keep your eyes open. One of, the, one of the most powerful ways, I think, that we can teach our kids is to show them what it means to serve, to show them what it means to give, 
to show him what it means to sacrifice. All, all that inaction is way better than any lecture any mom or dad ever gave. You know that, right? I mean, we could tell them, but that's like telling them, you know what, well, we're going to be honest here. And then the phone rings, you're like, tell them I'm not here. So like our lecture sometimes doesn't match our, our example. So if our example is literally just giving stuff away to help other people, our kids are going to pick up on that. Number three, practical love is generous with grace. Is generous with grace. His amazing grace. I harp on this a lot. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but it just came up again uh, this week with somebody I was in a conversation with. And we were, they were talking about how, how bad the people are in restaurants on Sundays, meaning the church people. Now, I talk about this a lot, but let me just say it one more time. Well, I will say it probably another million times. I, I think it's become my life passion because it, it irritates me to no end that people can leave a church inundated by the grace of God and then they can't go out and be nice to the very first person they meet at a restaurant, their waiter or their waitress. So that, that's just got to change. So we need to be generous with grace. I mean, think of it this way. Not only is that true in a restaurant, like the, the church people have a bad reputation on Sundays, but when you think of people outside of the church in general and they say, give us one word that describes the church, how many of them will come up with the word grace on their own? Not too many. Not too many because, because of the Christians that they'd met, the Christians they've rubbed shoulders with didn't show them grace, weren't generous with, with grace. Another one of my friends who wrote a great book and who's been here before is Caleb Kaltenbach, and that book is called Messy Grace. And then the book is, I think it's powerful, and it's one of those books I've reread because there's this constant balance between the truth of God. We're not going to abandon the truth of God, but there's grace for people. None of us are living up completely to God's standard, and so you have this grace, but, but grace is messy, you know, being, being a follower of Christ is messy. And so we're going to kind of see how this unfolds in some different ways. But just know this. We, we've got to figure out how to get more grace into the community that we live in. Ephesians 4.32 says this. Be kind. Man, we could just stop there for some of you. I mean, not, I don't mean you here. I just mean people that we know who may not be here. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I don't know if you ever thought about it this way. My, my ability to forgive someone else is in direct connection to my understanding of how God has forgiven me. And if I'm having trouble forgiving somebody else, then maybe I just have trouble receiving the grace and the forgiveness that God has offered me. It's like I've got to be able to pass that on. Even Jesus said of his own ministry, he said he didn't, he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. You know, we know John 3.16, right after that, he says that. I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. And if it wasn't Jesus' job to condemn the world, it's probably not yours or my job either. Again, we're still going to point out God's truth, but we're going to have an immense amount of grace as we do that. Everything we've talked about um, helps give credibility to the next thing I want to talk about. But it's just, let me go back through a little bit. Like, we want to be generous with our time. You know, how powerful is that when we just allow, like, in our busy schedules, just some time for somebody else? You know, we want, we want to give uh, sometimes just our stuff, and it can be even as 
easy as a plastic bag that we were going to throw away anyway. It's like there's things that we can do that will make a difference for somebody else. We can be generous with his grace. All this leads to number four, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Practical love is generous with Jesus. Practical love is generous with Jesus. But the reason it's number four on our list is because I want you doing those other three things before you ever open your mouth. Does that make sense? Instead of walking up to somebody and saying, turn or burn, you might just go to hell. Instead of doing that, why don't we love them, serve them, listen to them, all those things first, and then we get to tell them about the love of Jesus. But here's what we've been saying for the last several years around here. If heaven and hell are real, and we believe that they are, then the most loving thing we could ever do for anybody is introduce them to Jesus. The opposite is this. How much would we have to hate someone not to tell them about Jesus? Right? So, so practical love means we're going to pract- be practical with our generosity in sharing Jesus with, with, with everybody. I want to make a statement. And some of you are going to think this is not possible. Some of you are going to just blow this off like, yeah, whatever. That guy's just, he's, he's probably already had a couple of maple bars today. He's on a sugar high. He says this kind of stuff, and he has no, I've been thinking about this all week, and I'm going to say it anyway. And some of you are just going to blow it off, but I'm going to say it anyway. Here it is. Everyone at community, everyone who calls community their church is going to lead somebody to Jesus in the next 12 months. Everyone. Everyone. You know, the reason we could say that is because that's what God has called every one of us to do, is to be generous with Jesus, to share Jesus with other people. And yeah, yeah, we need to be praying that God would prepare us, equip us, help us, you know, say the right things when the opportunities come up. And then all along the way as we're praying, just be reminded, like, I, I'm not saving anybody. You're not saving anybody. Jesus is. Our job is just to introduce people to Jesus. But everybody will do that in the next 12 months. We, we will. We need to. There's just way too much on the line not to. So let me, before you put up your defense and say, yeah, but I don't have a Bible college degree. Yeah, but I'm not on the staff of a church. Yeah, but I don't even like people. Whatever your reason, I'm just going to tell you, you can still do this. I'm going to give you a a couple of handles that will help you be generous with Jesus, okay? So here's one of the ways that we say that around here. Number one is be a friend, and number two is bring a friend. So let me talk about this be a friend or or to invest in, in that relationship. Let me go back to something I said earlier. Listen. I mean, if you want to be a friend you got to listen. If you want to show somebody you care about them, you got to listen. But, but don't just listen for listen's sake. Like, like listen and pay attention so you know where they're at. So that you know what maybe their questions are. So that you know where maybe their struggles are. Listen so that you can see where Jesus can intersect their life in a conversation. Like pay attention. Like listen on purpose. And sometimes when we say listen, we think that means, okay, wait, our turn to talk. In fact, while we're listening, we're not really listening. We're just thinking about what we're going to say. As soon as their mouth stops, boom, it's our turn. Yeah, that's not listening. Like listen, listen, pay attention, listen. And by the way, listen even when you don't agree. Listen. You know, on the one hand, we might learn something. 
And what I've found out is even when I don't agree with someone, I still, I learn more about maybe a better way to approach what we want to talk about if I, if I listen, if I, if I find out what concerns them, if I find out what worries them, if I find out what makes them angry about life or about Christianity or about the church, if I just would be quiet for a little bit instead of defending it right away, just listen, maybe I can find out where they're at and I can see strategically, you know, where, where Jesus can meet them at that spot. Cause that's what Jesus does. He doesn't wait for us to arrive at a certain place. He, he meets us where we're at. And so we need to listen so we can start where they're at. So let me say it another way. So we can share what they can handle. You know, you just don't walk into a conversation with somebody, especially somebody who's maybe a brand new friend. And so let me tell you about the, the 12 tribes of Israel. What? You know, they just want to know how to be a better parent. Hey, by the way, the Bible does talk about that too. Why don't we start where their concern is and show them that God has some wisdom for that area of their life, right? So I'm in Bible college years ago, decades ago. And I'm so old, like we got there on horse and buggy. It, it was a long time ago. So, but it was all, I still remember that there was, there was a class that we had where we had to memorize all of the kings of the nation of Israel and all of the kings of the nation of Judah in the Old Testament. And we had to remember which ones were bad and which ones were good. It was on a test. Now, the Israel kings were all bad. That part was easy, but you still had to know all their names. And then the Judah ones, some are good and some are bad. Some are good, some are bad. But you had to remember all their names. And I, I still remember, like, memorizing that for the test, forgetting it pretty much the day after. But I memorized it. I did good on the test. But I walked out of there going, I will never need to use that to help somebody know Jesus. And a lot of times we spend a lot of time working on biblical knowledge about things that aren't answering any questions that any real person is actually asking. Does that make sense? It's like, I, I know people, they get up and they get a chance to teach the Bible and they're, they're like their little pet project, pet peeve, whatever it is, is about something. And like, everybody's like, we don't care. Well, how do you know what they care about? Listen. Find out what they, what they really care about. Again, my, my friend Tim Harlow, let me say this again. I honestly believe the greatest hindrance to the mission of Jesus is the busyness of his agents. And busyness, our busyness is going to keep us from just having that time to stop, to slow down, and to listen. Listen before we ever open our mouth. You know, when I, when I watch the, the person who is the very best at this, by the way, his name was Jesus, one of his nicknames was a friend of sinners. What, is, what does that tell you? Well, let me give you a little background. The religious leaders called him that to, to make it a slam. He's a friend of sinners. And I think Jesus, like, wore on his name tag, hello, I'm a friend of sinners. Like, it was a badge of honor for him. Didn't mean he agreed with them. But he loved them. He cared about them. He wanted to be with them. They, this is interesting, they wanted to be with him. So Jesus talks to a guy named Levi. Levi says, yep, I'm going to follow you. In fact, why don't you come over to my house? Let's have a big party. And guess who was there? A bunch of sinners. And the religious leaders notice this. And they're like, what is Jesus doing? Doesn't he know who he's eating with? And that's where Jesus makes that statement. It's not the, the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. And here's the ironic thing. I'm talking about this on our 60 seconds next week. But here's the ironic thing. 
they needed the doctor too. They just didn't know it. They just didn't know it yet. Jesus was spending time with Levi. Jesus spent that time with, with the woman caught in adultery. They're all ready to stone her. But Jesus is like, you know, where are your accusers? He does say, go and sin no more. It's like he's not going to lower the standard. He's not going to get rid of the truth. But, but, man, that grace was so thick in those moments. The woman at the well he talks to in John chapter 4, she runs back to town and she tells everybody, hey, you got to check this guy out. And I was like, I think we found the Messiah, right? So it's because there was something about Jesus. He was able to be in the presence with people who he didn't agree with them or their lifestyle or the choices they were making, but he loved them. He cared about them. And that's what it means to be a friend. It doesn't mean you agree with everything, but you're going to be a friend. And then you're going to bring that friend. You're going to bring that friend to a church service. You know, here, here's the cool thing. When we bring somebody with us, it's not just us and that person. Now we've included a whole bunch of other people in the process of showing them what Jesus is all about. And it starts in the parking lot. And that's one of the reasons, you know, we've been talking the last few weeks since Easter. Like, we, we still need more greeters out there. We want people. Because when you invite a friend and they walk through the parking lot with you, we want them to have that experience of three or four or five or ten people saying, hey, how are you doing? Glad you're here. We, we don't want anybody getting to a seat without somebody saying, hey, I'm really glad you're here. Hi, how are you doing? And it happens. It happens every now and then, even with greeters out there. You know why? Because as greeters, we haven't seen each other for a week. And then we get in our little greeter huddle, and it's just us. And we love each other so much, and people are just walking right behind us. So here's the deal. We, we want our greeters to do a great job, but here, here's the truth. You're all greeters, whether you like it or not. So everybody raise your right hand right now. Put them up. Put them up. I will be nice to people. Say it. Okay, you got the idea, all right? So like, maybe you're not a greeter out there, but somebody sits in your row or maybe a couple rows in front of you. Make sure you say something to them like, hey, I, but I don't know them. Yeah, okay. Let's just get over yourself, right? Okay, hey, how are you doing, right? Just say something. like So when we bring somebody with us, we want them to have this experience. We got people who really are gifted at being nice to people. That's why they're greeters. And we have people who are amazingly gifted at technology, and they're working with the sound and the lights and the screens, all that stuff. And we have people who have amazing abilities, you know, musically and talents, all that kind of stuff. And then we have some guy talking up here for a while. But we have all these different people who you get to bring your friend and say, hey, I want you to, I want you to get to know Jesus. And all these other people are going to help you in that process. That's the beauty of it. So how do we bring them? Here's just two phrases I want you to get. And then we'll wrap this up. Two phrases. They're big. First one is come and see. Just come and see. It's not that complicated. All right. So for the longest time, we had a Saturday night and Sunday services, and we changed to Thursday night this last um, June. First part of June, we changed to Thursday night because of COVID and some things we needed to do. So we got our little cards redone. So now they say Thursday and Sunday is our service times. And there's a map on the back, and there's a bunch of these out on the lobby information table, and you can grab a handful. You don't have to just take one. I hope you have more than one friend. So just take a few. Have them in your, you know, in your pocket, in your purse, in your car. Have these with you all the time so that you can always invite somebody. In fact, when they come up to you and say, hey, I see that thing on your car. What is that? You can say, well, by the way, that represents the church that I go to, and here you go. It's like, bam, bam, bam. They, they won't even know what hit them. Bam, right? Just do it like that. Listen to this, John 4, 29. Come and see. 
This is the woman at the well. She, she meets Jesus, and in one meeting, in one moment, she runs back to town. She says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? By the way, the town comes out. And because she said so, they went. And then they got to know Jesus. And they said, now we believe not just because you said something about it, but we got to see him for ourselves." But that come and see is such a powerful invitation. You know what it does away with? It does away with you and me needing to be able to answer every question that people have. You have one of those friends? Hey, why don't you come to church with me? Well, why is there so much suffering in the world? <laughs> I, I don't know. Why don't you just come and see? Just come and see. Not come and see the suffering. That's a bad connection of those two phrases. Come and see the suffering. Our pastor is horrible. No, it's like, come and see. So like, no, I can't answer all the questions. And that lady at the well, she couldn't answer all the questions. Her life was a wreck at the time. If you read the story, you know. It's like she goes back. She goes, hey, just come and see. And they're like, just look at her. I mean, she's, this is real. It's like something's going on here. Let's go check it out. And so it doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers. It doesn't mean you're perfect. You're just like, no, just come and see. It's, it's, it's that easy of an introduction to Jesus. Like it's not because we're better than anybody else, right? It's just like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. But here's the other phrase I want you to know. It's just kind of like show and tell. Remember show and tell back when kids used to go to school in person? I know, they just started back up again. Show and tell. Like every, every little kid wanted to bring their little brother to school or their little sister. Like you can know. But, but show and tell, like you bring something, you show and you tell everybody about it, right? But, but in this case, our life is the show and tell. Not, not, again, not that we've got it all together, not that we're perfect, not that we don't mess up, like right in front of our friends sometimes. But I'm going to tell you, man, if you've been spending every, now watch the connection, if you've been spending every day with Jesus and he's getting a hold of you, your friends who are closest to you are going to begin to see the change. And that's show and tell. And they're going to ask you, what's going on? Like, you've changed. You man, it's not me. It's Jesus. Show and tell. And we're not talking about hypocrisy. We're not putting on a show to make it appear like we're better than we really are. That, that doesn't help anybody. But just to say, you know, God is doing something in my life. John chapter 9. Again, one of my favorite stories. But Jesus heals the guy that's born blind. And, and as he heals this guy, then he slips off into the crowd. And the religious leaders are questioning the guy. And they want to know, well, how did Jesus do this? They ask him a number of times, right? And so they're just kind of pestering him with these questions. And we break into it in John 9, 25. He says, he replied, because they've asked him yet again. He says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. They're asking him about Jesus. Listen to this. The one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Chances are... Like me, you've got friends who ask you questions. I, I, don't, know how to, I don't know how to answer that. You know what? I'll, I'll do some research. I'll, I'll get back to you on it. But here's the reality. I'm not going to be able to answer every question, but this is one thing I do know. Jesus has made all the difference in me. And whatever their arguments and whatever their concerns, like they can't argue with a changed life. They can't argue with show and tell. You just can't. This one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. That's a pretty profound show and tell, by the way. The guy, his entire life had been blind until Jesus shows up. He goes, I can't explain how he did it. I just know I've been changed forever. If heaven and hell are real, the most loving thing we could ever do is introduce someone to Jesus. 
I came across this quote again this week from Mark Twain. It says this, the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. Can I tell you, I don't know your specific purpose for every single person here, but I do know this. As a follower of Jesus, the only reason you're left on planet Earth is because God has something for you to do. The reason I'm not already in heaven is God's like, no, I still got something for you to do. So we better be doing what God has purposed us to do. And here's the most important thing we can do. Tell people about Jesus. You know how important it is? We sang about it earlier. And Jesus tells the story. And it's in Luke 15. In fact, he tells three stories in a row. He ends with the prodigal son story. And right before that is this story of the lost coin. But the first story is the shepherd who, who leaves those 99 sheep in the open pasture. He didn't even, like, corral them or put them in the barn. He just, yeah, or whatever. And he takes off after that one. And that picture is that that's us. And what I want you to get, and I want you to get this clearly, is that that one might be the friend that you have at work, that, that, that neighbor that you know, that, that family member that you know. It's like they know maybe about Jesus, but like they've just turned their back on him continually. And so here's what we're going to do starting this week. I want you to put your one. And chances are you're going to have more than one person that you're praying for and all, but I, at least have one person that you know that needs Jesus. And before you get out of here tonight, that's a chalkboard we have over there on the wall. For those of you who are here in with us in person, there's a chalkboard. At the end of the stage, there's a basket that has chalk, and you can just go put the name of your one on there. And just for the next several months, that'll be up there. And we'll just, those are the people we're praying for. I pray for my, my same person every day at 1-11. There's an alarm that goes off. Sometimes it goes off in the most unusual times and places. Went off in a funeral one day. I told everybody, too, to turn off their phones. Then my alarm goes off at 1-11, right in my coat pocket. I'm like, sorry. But even though I was in the midst of a service, like, for a second, I'm just like, I still prayed for my friend that I'd be praying for every day at the same time. I got, that's my one. There's other people that I care about. I'm praying for them, too. But maybe you have your one. And maybe just reminded with that song, Reckless Love. If Jesus is willing to do that for that one, if that, that's the picture he gives us, and then, then the, the part of every single story is when that one person comes to know Jesus in every single story, when that one sheep is found, when that one coin is found, when that one son finally comes home and is found, there is a party in heaven. Every single one matters to Jesus. Every single one matters to the Father. And so who, who is your one? Like, have them in mind. Be praying for them on a regular basis. Put their name over there. And then watch for those ways in which you can listen. You can be generous with your time, generous with your stuff, generous with grace. But be watching for those opportunities where you can be generous with Jesus. All right? Let's pray. Father, we do come to you because you are the one that has the answers. You are the one that offers us hope. You're the one that has changed so many of our lives, and we want to see that happen to our friends and our family members. We want to see that happen in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces. God, probably for most of us, there's way more than just one person that's on our heart. But at least we want to have our, our radar up for, for one person. We're going to be their friend. We're going to invest in that relationship. And we're going to bring that friend and introduce that friend to you. God, I want to also pray that you would keep our eyes open because there may be somebody you bring to us that hasn't even been on our radar. 
but you bring them into our life. And the reason you did that is because you know maybe our story connects to theirs. Maybe we could help them in some way. So God, we're going to be thinking about this one and praying about this one, but God, we're going to be open to, to share you and be generous with you with every person you bring into our life. God, I pray that that, that grace shows, that that generosity shows, that, that the time that we give others shows, but mostly it shows that, that you care. It's not about us. Help us to do that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Can we stand together? I asked Justin if he would just come back and sing the same song again because I wanted to hear it again. I want us to be reminded not only is we that one person sometimes that God's willing to come after for us, but we need to go after the one, the next one, who maybe God has already placed in our life. Okay, let's sing. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Come on, lift your voices, let's sing. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down. If you need prayer, our prayer team will be right here up front. I'll see you guys right here next week. Be blessed.